0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was
2: only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true.
1: Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes
3: Nation. Trey Stroko here. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Baseball run rules Memphis en route to the semis. We have football game times. Bring on the nightmare for Boise State and a stadium quest like no other. Let's welcome in one half of the Sons of UCF. Adam is running late. This is UCF Mike. Mike, how are you?
2: Doing good, man. We finally did it. We got rid of the big guy and now we get to play <laughs> around. You know, the kids have taken over. Let's do it.
3: All right, all right. That sounds good to me. I don't know that Adam can get in. I have control right now. So maybe if I see him pop up there, do we just ignore him for a yeah, few moments? I don't even know
2: who that guy is anymore.
3: Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, how about baseball today? 17 to 1. They run rule Memphis. They improved to 30 and 28. Mike, they got the Big Bats seven home runs, including an inside the park home run.
2: Two touchdowns and a field goal we put up today. 17. That was huge, exactly what we needed today. I said on our show this week, this was the biggest game in the tournament. We had to win this game to put us in a good position for the rest of the tournament. Now, we're in the driver's seat. Saturday, we would have to lose twice. And if we only win one, we advance to the championship game. So we're exactly where we want to be. And the run rule today helped out so much. We didn't have to use the bullpen, right? So starter went six innings. Game was over in seven. The team is fresh. We have all our arms ready to go, even if we have to play two games on Saturday. I love where the baseball team is sitting right now.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. They had seven home runs today. That included two from Josh Crouch, uh, who we spoke with post-game. The team is hitting well at the right moment. They have uh, positive momentum. Again, the inside the park home run. Everyone enjoyed that from Tom Jostin. And as you mentioned, you like when you don't have to go deep into your bullpen on the second day. 14-10 on Tuesday over Cincinnati. This one, 17-1, to 1. Uh, Jack Sinclair goes six, five hits, a run. But most importantly, Coach Lovelady said after the game, this uh, the team, the bullpen is intact, and they've got the game Saturday now, 9 a.m. against the winner of ECU in Memphis. So that's a knockout game. Boy, now we're big fans of Memphis, right? You want Memphis to <laughs> knock out ECU. Uh, and the Knights get another day game on Saturday. They have positive momentum. They have to win it if they have any postseason hopes in the NCAA tournament.
2: Right. Memphis did us a huge favor already, beating East Carolina the first time. I don't know if we can count on them beating them again. We saw today that they're really not that great of a team. Remember, they run-ruled us earlier in the year, and then we came back and beat them up three games in a row. So to ask them to beat East Carolina again, that's a little much. We, can, we should be able to handle East Carolina one out of the two games. We're in the spot where we need to be. And you mentioned all the home runs before. You forgot one big one. Boner.
3: With the <laughs> yes, <in it>. yes. <laughs> <laughs> when the Grand Slam may be the least important home run or one of the ones you forget, right? Uh, that inside the park home run has really uh, uh, made the, the headlines today. But Knights win uh, an afternoon game here on Thursday. Perfect lead in to us. The other big news, several game times announced today, and it will be a Thursday night opener Thursday, September 2nd against Boise State in the Bounce House. That is a seven o'clock start. ESPN, no doubt, weighing in. They wanted that matchup.
2: Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I might start tailgating right now. In fact, there were rumors that this game was going to be put to put on Thursday a couple of weeks ago. I booked my hotel room back then, so I'm ready to go. Uh, it might be one of those leave the wife and children at home kind of thing, go to Orlando for 24 hours, watch the game, come back home and enjoy the rest of the weekend. It's a long weekend. But that's going to be a thriller, man. Gus Malzahn's first game on the sidelines, the place at 100% capacity. I, I, I am pumped. I cannot wait for September 2nd.
3: I did a quick poll on my Twitter, at SignPez. Will this game be a sellout or not? 95% of respondents say sellout. So you say sellout. Packed bounce house against Boise.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're almost there already. UCF is releasing the numbers. We're at about, what, 92%, 93% sold out for season tickets. Uh, You figure the the students are going to pack themselves in there, 12000 It's all going to depend on how many tickets Boise State returns. And if they give us enough time, I think we can get rid of those too.
3: Charge on tour continuing tonight in Oviedo, the third stop. And Athletic Director Terry Mahajer is being reported on Twitter saying, and it has been already mentioned this week, 100% uh, capacity tailgating returned. So they are expecting a big fall. Some other game times, Mike. Uh, Bethune-Cookman, 6.30 p.m., a night start Saturday, September 11th. We already knew that the Friday game at Louisville, it's a 7.30 start on ESPN. Navy has a game time, Saturday, October 2nd at Navy. That's a 3.30 start on your favorite network, CBS Sports Network, so plan now to try and find that one. Uh, Friday, October 22nd, Memphis home game, seven o'clock. That's a night game on a Friday, ESPN 2. And Black Friday, showdown with the Cows, Undecided, whether it's a 3.30 or 7 o'clock start, depends on how the teams do, ABC or ESPN. So we're starting to see a couple months out, less than 100 days, the picture coming together.
2: Yeah, it's good. You could plan early because a lot of times you don't have that much time to know when the game's starting. Usually we're in that 12-day window, and you don't have this much time to plan hotel rooms, flights, whatever you got to do to get in town for the games. At least you got half the schedule down now. You know exactly what day, what time. That Bethune Cookman's a six thirty game. That's the same day the cows and the Gators play each other over in Tampa. So that's that's a full afternoon if you want to watch that early tailgating in the parking lot, then you go watch the UCF game. That's a nice afternoon. Um, the the cow game on Black Friday could be an afternoon or a night game, but you know it's not a noon game, right? So that's big news for everybody. That's always cool. And then the other night games during the week: Louisville and Memphis. I, that's another one. I got my hotel room already booked for the Memphis Friday nighter. That one, I may take the family up, maybe do some Halloween Horror Nights or something the next day.
3: There you go. You've got it planned out. You spoke about it on your show, the early line, Boise State, 10-point uh, dog to UCF. No doubt that'll tighten up, but it's a good TV game, isn't it? Gus Malzon's debut and these big G5 Titans, right?
2: Yeah, if you look at the other day- games on the schedule for that for Thursday night, it's no doubt the primetime game. And the other big name, I think, is what, Rutgers and um, I forget who they're even playing
3: Rutgers is never the other big game.
2: (laughs) Right. Right. That was a no-doubter Thursday ESPN slot. And it sets up as the first big game of the college football season. I'm not sure if there's a week zero this year. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. But if not, hey, first big game of the college football season. First time you're going to see college football back with crowds in a long time. And it's going to be the bounce house. You know that place is going to be nuts. It's just a good scene nationally for UCF.
3: Again, UCF planning 100% capacity. The latest update, 93% of season tickets sold less than 100 days. you got to think that they can close that gap. Other news, you talked about it on the pod this week, the announcement of a home-and-home with Florida Atlantic, which you like, right? It's in your backyard, uh, September 17, 2022, at FAU in Boca, and September 13, 2025, uh, against UCF in the Bounce House. A lot of our fans like this, I asked. Uh, What do do you think? What do you think of the matchup? Hate it? Only 5%. 33% said love it. 62% said eh. You know, (laughs) because it's not that big matchup that they hope. At ChargeOn3 on Twitter said another home game. Woo. And at Dan UCF fan says, my old stomping ground, so I love the visit. Got to fill schedule holes in the short term. Uh, I like the idea of staying in state.
2: Yeah. I don't know who the 5% are that hate it. They're either Cal fans getting in on your poll or just people that like to cause trouble. There's no reason to hate the game, right? we got to fill the schedule somehow. And FAU is a nice in-state opponent. It's good for recruiting. It's good for the team. It's good to get a win. It's a game we should win. We've never lost to FAU. We should keep that going. For me, it's perfect. I've said it many times. It's very close to my house. 20 minutes and I'm there. Uh, That's my I wish we could play them every year in Boca. I don't even care about getting the home game in Orlando. That's just me being selfish. But... (laughs) It, it, it's a good it's a good rivalry. It, it's not a rivalry, but it, it can develop into one. I mean, FAU has been more competitive than the Cows in recent years. So, it, it, And we've seen that we we can lose to FIU. We've done that a couple times. So it's not just a gimme game. It's a nice game. I'm excited for it, especially this year. And then you got to wait a few years. Mohajer said that that's just the way the schedule worked out. I guess they probably already had enough road games in 23 and 24, so it just worked out that they're going to come back in 25. That's fine with me. I'll be fine if we schedule FIU in 23 and 24 to to fill in that schedule.
3: And it's a good time to remind folks as we've featured on Sons of UCF Live and as on the pod, you broke this news during your interview with Terry Mahajer. He revealed to you first that the FAU series was upcoming. The non-conference schedule in 2022, September 1st at FIU, September 10th against Louisville at a home game, September 17th at FAU, and September 24th against Georgia Tech, unless, of course, there are some changes, and uh, we don't even want to talk about weather. Let us, uh, without Adam, I will try and bring in our first guest, Mike. So bear with me. This, there he goes. This is John. Morning. Uh, he and his son Miles are out at the Charge on Tour, live from Oviedo. John and Miles, welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Can you say hey, buddy? Hi. Hey guys, talk about the night. What is it like? I see Adam is with us now. Adam, welcome in. We just brought in John and Miles. Take us to Oviedo, John. Tell us what's going on at the Charge on Tour stop.
4: Well, I'll I tell you, it was it was a fantastic night here. Uh, it started out. They had they had a pretty decent amount of time where you could go around and, and talk to the coaches and 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 chit chat and and. It was fantastic. So we got to talk to, to Coach Abe and Johnny Dawkins, and Miles got to got to meet all of them. And a little backstory is, is Coach Abe went to uh, the University of Iowa, where she played basketball, and I was actually a student at Iowa while she was while she was playing there. So kind of a little bit of history there. I did my grad school at UCF, so so I'm kind of an alumni of both, and, and we both are, which is kind of neat to know. And and uh, so talk to her, her talk to uh, Coach Dawkins for a while. Fantastic guy. Uh, the soccer coaches, the golf coaches. You know, one of the most important things when when Terry got up on stage and was talking about the success of every program at UCF, and when you look at it and you think, how many NCAA bursts, how many tournament victories, how many conference victories, uh, conference championships UCF has had in just this last year, more than a lot of schools see in in a decade. And it it was a phenomenal time. Uh, The coach uh, or Terry talked about the hiring process with, with Gus and, and how Gus was one of his, his first call before he even officially had the job. And it, very interesting, interesting aspect. And, you know, we've kind of, to be hundred percent honest, we were on the Gus bus before there was a Gus bus. So when they were talking about coaches, uh, we, we were discussing who, who we needed at UCF and, and something I've always said. And I, I told Coach on this after, after the event is that I've always felt that UCF needed a head coach, not somebody learning how to be a head coach. So I, I think that that was a fantastic thing. But you know, the basketball coaches talked at length about wanting to shape and, and and influence young the younger generation and teach them everything they could get from school. And then when Coach Malzahn came on, he, he talked a lot about the opportunity here, talked about the quality of young men on the team, about how, not a single player entered the transfer portal without, and they went a full month without a, a, a head coach. So that's how tight of a team he has and that he's he's inheriting here. Uh, as well as, as then talking about how he's trying to get to know the players when he first came on board, uh, talking to each player before spring camp and then again after as, as it came to a close, making sure he's getting to know all of them. So – it's all about shaping young men and, and the quality of the coaches he brought in. Not that they're, they're the, not saying they're not the best coaches. I think we got a great set of coaches, but also that the quality of them coming in and, and caring about the young men and the quality of, that they bring on the, on the personal side and the ability to, to mold and, and help these young players become, become prepared for life as they move forward. So it was a fantastic night, and, and i got to be honest, uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't said more.
0: John, what's the crowd like out there? How many people are out there? Is it lively, well, right festive?
4: Now, <laughs> right now, not many. <laughs> but I will tell you, it was a decent-sized crowd, um, and, and a lively crowd. It's it's Oviedo, so we're pretty close to campus. And, and Miles and I, we, we don't live in Oviedo, but we drove up from Orlando, a whopping extra 15-minute drive, so... But uh, a great crowd.
2: Miles, I want to ask Miles, what was your favorite part of the night? What was your favorite part, buddy?
4: Meeting Coach Malzahn.
2: You look like you got a football there. Did you get him to sign it? Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Who else is who else signed that thing?
4: Uh, it, it was Coach Dawkins and Malzahn. Coach Malzahn. Awesome. So Mike- I- I saw on Twitter that
3: Coach Dawkins uh, revealed a little bit about future scheduling.
4: Oh, yeah. It sounds like we've got we got some pretty good games coming up, uh, especially this next season. It should be a lot of fun at home. So if you haven't bought season tickets yet, do it, do it now. A little pitch for the basketball team. Um, but, I mean, think about it. We have Michigan at home. We're playing Florida State again. Uh, the schedule, we have one of the toughest schedules in America, and, and I think we have some great opportunities to play some fantastic games here. And we also have probably the best recruiting class they've ever had for the UCF men's basketball team. So it should be, should be a lot of fun this year and it'll be a young team, but it'll be a fantastic team. Exciting to watch.
0: John, I know you followed UCF for a long time. How excited are you personally for this upcoming football season?
4: I couldn't have been happier. Um, I, I am excited. I'm always excited. I'll be honest. I last year was a big disappointment, not because, the way the season turned out but just because of the restrictions uh in the bounce house which which made it very difficult for us to go and and, and uh and just to see the of players especially because miles has some personal relationships with some of the players that graduated this year so it was kind of sad for him um miles who was your favorite player otis anderson Jr. <laughs> miles is a big otis fan so seeing modus otis, otis graduate and 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 head off for better things it's sad for him, but I think it's going to be fantastic. And and we we have pretty good seats. Um, everybody always says, well, why don't you go sit in the tower? I'm like, I'd rather sit down in the bleachers close close to the team and close to the fans. And and Coach Malzahn told me that today that, well, if he's trying to figure out to go on fourth and one, he's just going to look up at me and, and, and ask me. So <laughs> it should be fun.
2: Did you get a chance to speak with Terry Mohajer, the new athletic director?
4: Oh yeah, I've, I've talked to Terry several times and several events that we've had. Um, fantastic guy, you know. I, I told him a story about a year ago, right before the pandemic hit. Miles and I went to a baseball game, uh, UCF baseball game, and and I don't know if anybody's been there knows the sound system was horrible at the stadium. I mean, you, you it sounded like you were listening in a tin cup. Um, I talked I literally talked to uh, Danny White. He was at the game, and mentioned you know hey what are you going to do about the sound system because oh it's on our list i i went to the first game we went to this year and and i tweeted at terry i said hey you know the sound system really needs to be upgraded here and he tweeted back he was working on it and anybody that's been to a baseball game later in the season knows that that it's been fixed and we have probably the game experience at ucf baseball games is phenomenal now so if you didn't go this year wait till next year i think it's an even better team and 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 it's a much better game experience so terry is a man of his word uh he gets things done and he has more energy than than i'll tell you what any other athletic director i've ever seen
3: we had a little bit of a dip in momentum but with the hiring of terry Mahajer and then gus malzahn you can feel it on the charge on tour and across town can't you and especially along the fan base and alumni base and students Momentum is back. How much are you looking forward to UCF Boise State September 2nd?
4: I am looking forward to it more than anything. And and I may have an extra ticket. If anybody wants to go, let me know.
3: Well, you see it right there at the JC Morning. How about we end with this? Miles, give us a go Knights and charge on. Go Knights, charge on. All right. Thank you, Miles and John, joining us from the charge on tour in Oviedo. Guys, appreciate it. Go Knights. Charge on. All right. Thank you, guys. Adam, welcome in. Running a little bit late, but you were there when we got to speak with uh, John and Miles, who part of that charge on tour tonight, the third stop uh, after Mike uh, got things going down in South Florida.
0: Yes, yeah, I knew not to believe Mike when he told me the start time for these things. I knew I should have fact checked with you, Trace. <laughs> I, I apologize.
2: Oh, man. Can we get this guy off the show again? We were having such a good time without him. Just the two of us. <laughs> no, here we go. Now I'm the third wheel again.
3: If I have to be honest with there you, Adam, is. Mike, and I at about 7:57 started to talk about if I still had control, and obviously you've regained control of the show. Would we let you in? And we thought we might let you hang out in the way oh, wow. for a few
0: moments. Man, you missed—you missed like 10 <laughs> minutes. And all of a sudden, you're done. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> tough crap. Guys at
2: UCF.
3: Yeah. Uh, Well, welcome in, Adam and everyone, Sons of UCF Live. We talked earlier about uh, game times and, and knowing the Boise State game is a Thursday night opener. Other football news. Well, But let me, before we do that, Adam, what do you think? You like that game time, ESPN, primetime slot, national profile matchup?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm always a fan of that first Thursday night college football game. To me, it feels big. You know, you come home from work, you know, there's a game on. It was, you know, I think one year, wasn't it? South Carolina, UCF, Mike? I, I feel like they were the opening game one year. Um, and that's that's always a fun time when you have that game on. So for the fans, is a Thursday the best day? Probably not, right? You got work, travel, things like that. But um, I think it's a it's a good spotlight. And and listen, I think for us, Gus deserves this kind of national you know, a pedestal to himself and, and ESPN obliged and they must feel the same. So um, I think it's a win-win. It's better than being buried at, you know, 3.30 on a, you know, on a Saturday playing Akron on ESPN double plus or something. So I'll, I'll take it all day.
3: Double plus.
2: Yeah. And the, the opponent works out great. We're not, like you just said, we're not opening up against an FCS school. Boise is a name. It's a primetime game. People are going to want to see this. And the game you're talking about is
3: 2005 against South Carolina.
2: We were still in the middle of our losing streak. We lost the first couple games of that year until we finally beat Marshall.
3: Other news, this is being May 27th, the dead period for football ending June 1. UCF already announcing one of their camps completely full. This is going to be a very important time. All of this recruiting, right, been doing done via Zoom and calls, and now they're going to get to meet players
0: yeah i mean uh, we we've seen Gus do such a good job at least getting um, getting kids excited about coming out there, but we've always said you get on campus the campus sells itself, and uh, so this is his opportunity uh, this is a chance to to showcase that to show off the new coaching staff uh, to to show the new buildings off all the things you know facilities is something we're talking about later on, but you know when you get on campus, typically people are amazed and surprised at what they see uh, and and Gus does a nice job. I saw he saw he sent a cake to somebody's mom or something for their birthday, uh, so Gus clearly has some uh uh, some creative ways. So maybe Gus's creativity with our campus, with the momentum and the uh, the future of college football. And maybe we get a few more booms out of this deal.
2: You think he's been doing a bang up job on the transfer portal. You ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till he gets these kids on campus in face-to-face meetings with them. I see four or five stars lining up all summer
3: coming to UCF. I like it. I like it. Uh, the PFF college rankings, UCF checking in number 34, uh, Florida seventh, Miami eighteenth, the Seminoles sixty-fifth. Uh, expectations maybe just middle of the pack there for UCF thirty-fourth. Uh, do you like going in a bit of an underdog going into the season?
0: I do. And I also think at this point, we've talked about this before. Cincinnati is the defending champion of the conference. uh, And, you know, if you want to beat the best, you got to knock them off the throne. And I think, you know, UCF is putting themselves in a position to do that. I feel comfortable that we have the players, we have the coaching staff, that we can absolutely make that a reality. But I, I can't fault pundits and I'll use pundits because they haven't seen us really play. They haven't seen this team get together who are looking at things on paper and saying UCF might be good, but we just don't know how good. Uh, I think that's, you know, I think that's kind of fair from that respect, but I have no, no concerns that once the season kicks off, you know, that we're going to be able to play with anybody on the field.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're not starting too low. Whereas if we come in and have a nice performance against Boise, we start out three and oh, we beat Louisville. We're in the top 25 right away, I think. So, and Gus has talked about having a chip on his shoulder. Now the team can ha- start off the season with a little chip on their shoulder and start things off the right way and and really boost themselves heading into the season. You don't have to start out at 15, because as you see, there's a glass ceiling anyway. If you start at 15, they only going to put you at eight. We could still end up
3: there anyway. At DK Sportsbook, out with uh, projected win totals for the AAC teams. the over under there on UCF's win total. I know you guys are taking the over. You predict them to go 12-0 every year.
0: I mean, why stop now, right? I mean, uh, obviously, like I said, it, it it sounds like a homer, but I, when you look at the schedule, um, I think we can beat every team on the schedule. Does that mean we will beat every team? Does that mean every bounce will go our, our go our way? No, but I think we have the talent. I think we have the skill. I think we have the, you know, especially with the new guys we've brought in. I, I think we have all the things that you would need to beat all the teams on our schedule. So, uh, and until they line them up, I guess I don't see any reason why I would change that.
2: Yeah, I'd have a hard time finding three losses. You tell me we're going to lose a game, maybe two. I, I could buy it. Losing three, then I think you're going to start seeing people lose their minds on Twitter. <laughs> lose four, forget it. The, the Gus Bus will be completely set on fire. But I, I don't see that happening at all. Uh, you know, nine and three is reasonable. Ten and two, it couldn't happen too. And, and, of course, I'm going to predict 12 and up.
3: Cincinnati predicted at 10 wins. Uh, Memphis, eight and a half. Houston, eight. I'm looking, let me look here. I think it's onto my third page of notes. Cows at three wins, which may sound a little generous. I don't know who the
2: three wins are coming against. I got to look at their schedule again. Do they play UConn? I don't even know.
0: Are they counting the spring game in this? Is that, is that one of the wins? (laughs)
2: Let's just, it
0: it isn't about beating the best. It's just about about playing them. You got to play them.
3: Our
2: baseball team just scored 17 today, 14 last game. Tell me the cows score more than 14 and 17 points, three times this year. Uh, I don't
0: know if it's going to happen. Yeah. I, again, I, I don't know how the, how do they come up with these rankings to begin with? Right. I think they're looking at last year and the rosters. And I, I mean, this is all just funny money at this point, right? This is all just funny math. Uh, I don't know that it really means a, 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 a hill of beans. It does tell you, I don't know what a hill of beans is by the way. I've never seen one, but I it just tells you, I think that, you know, the, there are people who still want to see what UCF can do. And you know, they're, you know, they, they want to see us in the field. And I think, you know, uh, Gus and that group will be up to that challenge.
3: Uh, Navy, three and a half wins. I think they're really looking down on Navy. You know that no matter Navy's win-loss total, they're going to give you a hard-fought game. And uh, and it's at their place. So uh, that was a tough uh, game for UCF uh, a couple years back.
0: It's always yeah difficult,
3: I mean, right?
0: Yeah, no, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, they, they definitely play a tough, uh, a tough style of offense.
2: They, they'll drain the clock on you. So, if you're one of these teams that likes to run quick things, you, it gets you out of your rhythm. I think we have a bye either heading into that game or right after that game, right? I, I, it might be right after that game, which is good too to, to heal up because, you know, they, the way they do their blocking usually you come out of that game a little banged up. But, uh, you know, the Navy looked like crap last year. Let's be honest. What was the game in the first year, the game of the year last year, when they gave up, what, 70 points? I think they've tackled two people. They sit in and tackle uh, people uh, all offseason.
0: Yeah, that was BYU, the first game of the year. I think you just described the Bunker (laughs) ball. Awesome.
2: BYU did the same thing to us, I guess. But um, Navy had a couple other ones like that later in the year. They they were off. I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter who their quarterback is because they don't throw the ball much. But, uh, you know, we got to be favored in that game. uh, But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a tight one going into the second half.
3: Uh, Cincinnati with the 10 wins projected. The game time for that one not announced, but you'd imagine that that is a prime time game at Cincinnati with uh, perhaps control of the AAC up for grabs.
0: You have to hope so. I mean, I don't know the schedule and the rest of the games that weekend, but, you know, every year it seems like UCF Cincinnati, if the cards break the right direction, you know, we've all got those college game day uh, thoughts on our head, obviously not in Orlando. So that would be a bit of a bummer, but uh, still great to be featured on that. But you would think it would be a prime slot, um, again, depending on what are the games of that weekend. But if they're we're both undefeated heading into that thing, it'll be the really the battle for the for the AAC championship. So uh, I don't see why I wouldn't get a, a prime window
2: we got to talk about the other teams in this conference, Cincinnati at the top of it, that have out-of-conference games that can really help us. Cincinnati plays Notre Dame earlier in the year. That's a big one. They can win that. I mean, and they come into our game undefeated. It just bolsters our schedule that much more. Uh, I'm looking at Tulane getting a home game against Oklahoma. The Cows, obviously, are at home against the Gators. East Carolina is at home against South Carolina. All these teams playing big name schools in their own building. I'm not saying they're all going to pull an upset, but one or two would be beautiful. And even Houston plays Texas Tech in a neutral site game. Big games for the conference. We got to be big fans of these other teams.
3: As I look at this list, uh, 11 teams in the AAC, I have been to seven of these venues. What about you guys? How many of these 11, which includes UCF, have you been to?
2: In the AAC um USF and Memphis but not even a game against Memphis I went to the Liberty Bowl other than that in our conference not many I, I know the guests were bringing on and I know I've been to like 15 different college stadiums but not uh, American teams.
0: Wow Mike just gives away the secret for the. he just took your tease trace <laughs> and, and I absolutely just stomped all over my my goodness.
3: Uh, Well, you know, a few weeks back, we had uh, former UCF football player Ron Johnson, who, while he has not been to a game in every stadium, he has been to every FBS stadium. Our next guest is on a quest to see football in every FBS stadium, all 130 of them. He is Michael Baker. You can follow his pursuit at CFB Campus Tour. Really, you're just 20-some away
5: that's correct. I've been going since 2017 and uh, hitting about 25 new ones per year and we have 20 left uh, to knock out this fall. a
0: um, uh, Simple question for me, uh, maybe two. How and why?
5: How? Uh, I, I do real estate in California, so I'm self-employed. I try to work from January to August like crazy. And then during football season, try to work enough to maintain my employment status and why, you know, most goals that people have, they they don't, you know, I didn't set out to do it. I just was traveling, made a couple campus stops at uh, a couple of colleges in Colorado, in Boulder and in Fort Collins. I enjoyed it. I thought about, hey, let's visit more in 2017 i visited all 130 fbs schools then i started going to games and you know like anything you you start with a small goal and you branch it out i never thought i would be at this point but um i think every college football fan imagines traveling to stadiums whether it's just in your state in your conference and i just took it to the next level and it's it's been a great experience
2: I love the backgrounds you got there. Obviously, some UCF stuff. Have you been to a game at UCF yet? And which game was
5: it? So I've been to two games. I went last year for uh, the Tulsa game. And uh, that was a rough one. But I tell everybody, the most fun I've ever had a college football game was the 2018 AAC Championship versus Memphis. Uh, That was the game uh, that Daryl Henderson for Memphis went off 200 yards in the first half, four touchdowns. And then they came out, uh, UCF came out in the second half. Daryl Mack had, I think, four or five touchdowns. And it was just the is the most fun I ever had at a game. It was a party in the stands. You know, the bounce house is a real thing. And uh, to this day, I haven't duplicated that environment. So that it was the best experience I've ever had at a game.
3: Wow, that's pretty good. Two AAC schools you
5: have not yet been to, Navy and Temple. How
3: do you compare UCF and the campus stadium? against the others that you have been to in the AAC.
5: So it's interesting because I you know, I try to get in the weeds and hear what people have to say. If people say negative things a little bit about the construction of the bounce house, I think it's a great place to watch the game. There's not one bad seat there. Uh, I've enjoyed it every single time, even in the rain against Tulsa. You know, Temple, I, I have a thing against college football teams playing in pro stadiums and I don't like it. I wish everybody had their on-campus stadium. So uh, the link is the Philadelphia Eagle stadium. I mean, I I'm going to try to fit in a game this year. Uh, it's the same. I know you guys, USF does the same thing. They play in the Tampa Bay bucks stadium. I mean, there's a buccaneer ship there and they're the bulls. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and then Navy, I had a chance to go last year. They were playing BYU opener. I didn't go because they didn't allow fans. So, this year, I'm actually locked in uh, September fourth. Their first game against Marshall. I'm going to go to that one. Has there been a stadium?
0: What's the? I mean, some of these are and really like out, outskirts college towns. What's been the most difficult travel you've had to try to get to one of these more obscure stadiums?
5: Yeah, I would say maybe uh, Appalachian State uh, in Boone, North Carolina. Um, you know, Happy Valley in uh, for Penn State. Uh, Those aren't anywhere near airports. Uh, I just got done doing a spring FCS travel season because they push their season to uh, the spring. And a lot of those schools, you know, whether it's your North Dakota State, uh, South Dakota, they're off the beaten path. So, uh, you know, you tend to see the bigger conferences have more localized locations. You know, Vanderbilt's in Nashville, uh, Georgia. Athens is about, you know, 45 minutes from Atlanta uh, and then the smaller schools, they're, you know the directional schools, as we call it, they're a little bit further away from uh, a major airport. Obviously, UCF is an, ex- an exception, uh, being in Orlando.
2: A lot of these stadiums are probably some older places. Which place is the biggest dump you've ever been to? And you said, <laughs> man, I'm never
5: going back to a game there. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. Um, some stadiums have... Uh, they've branched off of and it doesn't look natural. Um, I'm trying, I had this question the other day and I've I've been used to, so so used to speaking positive about everything. Uh, I can tell you it's not an FBS school, but I went to uh, Kennesaw State in Atlanta. It's a soccer stadium. I did not like that. Um, You know, I'm going to throw out some names. You know, Kansas Stadium is old, Uh, they've retrofitted it a little bit. The scoreboard is way away from the, from the the stadium. The other thing I have a pet peeve about is I don't like stadiums with tracks. Um, I think that is the ultimate indicator of a small school. So you got like Buffalo, for example, they have a track around their stadium, uh, places like Boise state, Appalachian state, they filled in their tracks. um, So, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, the L.A. Coliseum is gigantic. There's a lot of obstructed seats you can't see. So um, I do like older stadiums. Uh, I love the Sun Bowl in El Paso. Uh, Aloha Stadium, unfortunately, just got condemned uh, for disrepair in Hawaii. Uh, So I'm not just, you know, in love with the new stadiums, but there are some older stadiums that uh, I think are on their way out. I thought for sure Eastern Michigan might be on the list of venues that you might not enjoy. Yeah, the only thing that makes it unique is they got the gray turf, so I guess you could do that. But that one also has a track around it too, and typically it's like minus 50 degrees when you go there, so it's not necessarily the you know, they call it football weather, but when you're sitting in the crowd and you're not playing, it's not football weather. You're just freezing your you-know-what. What's funny about that stadium is it's one exit removed from Michigan Stadium.
1: Yes. So you
3: see, you see it on the highway, Eastern Michigan. This exit, next exit, Michigan, and you're like, "Ooh!" If you're choosing between those two, I see you still need Army and Navy, which means you've been to Air Force. I've been to a game at Air Force, uh, and really enjoyed the flyover uh, before yes. the game. What have been some of your favorite uh, traditions uh, that you've gotten an opportunity to see?
5: Yeah, I mean, every military academy school is going to be great. Actually, uh, September 11th is uh, uh, Army is hosting a game and the 20th anniversary of September 11th. So uh, I'm looking to try to go to that one. You know, I, I, I went to Clemson, you know, running down the hill, death Valley. That was cool. When you go to Texas A&M, we're t- another military Academy. They have the cadets on the field, throwing arm signals up, uh, coordinating chance with the 12th man. Uh, you go to jo- Georgia Southern, they have a Eagle fly down on the field um you know the the Texas A&M band they formed the T uh at halftime I'm I'm looking to go to Ohio State this year and see them spell out Ohio um it's it you know the cool thing about going to this is when you start off and you think oh it's only the big schools but when you go I've had some of the the best experiences at at uh G5 schools uh you know my joke is I could go to the big house in Michigan and parachute off the top nobody cares I went to Georgia Southern for the Hunter Stadium that I've been to, and you know I'm I'm getting DMs and getting followed by the coach, Coach Lunsford. I'm doing local interviews. I got to fire the cannon on the field at the ROTC to end the game. I got a message from uh, Cole Swindell, who's a country singer, you know, telling me to enjoy the town. So you know, when you do this college football travel, you know, yes, you want to knock out the big schools and you want to do it, but the interaction you get with the G5 schools and the, the fans, and they take pride, and they want you to see it in their eyes. I mean, to be honest with you, when I'm done with all the 130, I'm going to go back to the places I have the most fun, and, and places like UCF I've had great experiences at. Do you have a favorite team? Who's your team? Like, Do you root for a college football team yourself? Hmm. So I grew up in San Diego, and uh, you know, I would consider myself, uh, if I had to say, would be an Aztecs fan, but – You know, we don't have those historical, you know, it's not like if you're an Oklahoma fan, you have to hate Nebraska. So there's no built-in venom from San Diego State that would, you know, uh, you would go, oh, man, I I hate Alabama no matter what. So, I mean, my dad played college football. He played – he was on BYU, and then he transferred to a small school in California called uh, University of Pacific. They don't have uh, football anymore, but they did for a while – Uh, But yeah, I mean, I was a pro guy for a long time, but I just got tired of, you know, this team. I live in Northern California. We just had the Raiders go to Vegas. The A's are talking about the leaving. The Warriors went across the bay. The Niners aren't in in San Francisco anymore. So you'll never hear a college like UCF say, hey, if you don't add 5,000 seats to the bounce house, we're going to be moving to Fort Lauderdale. It doesn't happen. So I love college sports. I mean, I'm a San Diego State fan, but not enough to prevent me from enjoying, you know, all the schools out there.
0: Well when you go to a game, who do you decide who you're gonna root for? Do you just root for the home team? Do you do you have a rooting interest? How do you decide who you're pulling for when you actually show up at a stadium?
5: Yeah, I don't I don't have a you know, I call myself a neutral fan. Uh do I have secret favorites? Yeah, I have secret favorites, but um I, I just I call myself a ghost at the stadium. What I want to do is blend in as much as possible. You know, sometimes I'll get a media credential. Sometimes I'm not, but I want to, I want to document it. Uh, My angle is, you know, if you have announcers at the game, uh, maybe you want to ask them questions. You can't do that, obviously, because they're announcing. I want to be someone that you communicate with during the game. Uh, I just went to a playoff game at uh, the FCS level at James Madison, and people were tweeting about how, oh, it was a terrible punt, or these guys can't kick. And, you know, I tweeted back out, you should see the wind here. The reason the, the guy got hit in the back with the punt is because the wind blew it back, you know, 10 yards. And so I want to be able to provide people with real game time interaction. So I don't necessarily pick who to root for. I just want to be there and, and kind of take it in and be a, a neutral party.
2: I think when you do your second go around to all these schools, you should go as a fan of the opposing team. To every game yes. and see how everybody treats you.
5: Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I went to uh, I went to Baylor and there's a guy on Twitter. His name is T Rex and he's a about six foot five Baylor fan and he wears a, a green skull mask to every game. And we we grabbed a beer before the game and I wore a Baylor shirt in with him and you know I'm like yeah I'm with this guy. I mean I'm six three but he's six five big guy and I felt good and he sat in a different seat and as soon as I went to my section and saw. Texas fans, I I had to change back into my neutral gray shirt just to save myself.
3: (laughs) To wrap up, Michael, I will tell you then UCF head football coach George O'Leary prior to UCS game at Ohio State said it would be one of the quieter stadiums that UCF had played in. And I was at that game and he drew a lot of flack from that on sports media. However, he was quite right. They cheered when they scored, but the rest of the time, they just watched the game. So I wow. hope you notice that, unless you're going to Ohio State, Michigan, of course, that's a different atmosphere. Yes. Michael Baker, we appreciate you joining us. You can follow him at CFB Campus Tour to follow his latest pursuits. And as you saw from one of our fans, two-letter words, next time you're in town, let us know. Uh, we'd like to meet you.
5: Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. UCF is is a great school and every time I talk to people, I tell them the most fun I've ever had at a game is at the bounce house. So I look forward to going back as soon as possible.
3: All right, thanks a lot, Michael. We appreciate it. Thank you guys. Thanks, guys. All right. Boy, it'd be good to be in real estate right about now.
2: <laughs> Sounds like it. I mean, you guys <laughs> yeah. get to travel around for
3: four months at a time, going to every game.
2: Sign me up for that.
0: Yeah, I think the you know it's interesting. A lot of people always say they want to rent like an RV and and spend the summer going to like baseball stadiums. I think it's a it's a cool endeavor to to figure that out. College football is so tough. A hundred and thirty plus stadiums to get to, and the travel logistics, and that's going to take you a bunch of different years. So so hats off to Michael for figuring out a dream and being like, you know what, I'm just going to go do this thing and, and actually, you know, putting his money where his mouth is. I think what what hurts him though, I saw it, his little list there with when teams build new stadiums, now he's got to go back and revisit. I mean, that's, he's, he should get a say in some of these, like, Hey, before we <laughs> build the stadium, do you mind? Would you like to come back? You should be on some sort of a fun committee or something when they figure that out.
3: My streak was snapped because of the pandemic. I'm not sure where I'm heading this uh, fall, but Louisville, I've got circled uh, on my, on my to go list. So, uh, uh, I wish him luck with this. I have a buddy who's 40 stadiums away, uh, and he's he's averaging about four or five a year. So, you know, takes you a while. But when this guy's trying to get all 20 this fall, whew, need to change careers. Need to go into real estate.
2: Yeah, he's knocking out two or 3 a weekend, it sounds like. <laughs> it was only 12
3: weeks, right? 13 weeks if you count he counts. the just, I guess he's just flying between places. Uh, that's what, what I had I had every major league baseball stadium until Atlanta built a new park, and now the Rangers. So I'm two down, as you mentioned, Adam. UAB has now built a stadium. And what about Hawaii? They're in temporary surroundings for a couple of years because the uh, Aloha Stadium where UCF played in the Hawaii Bowl and, and uh, against Hawaii has been condemned.
0: Can, can we all agree, by the way, though, that he had the best background this uh, this side of UCF, Mike?
2: Yeah, it was fantastic. I, I love his background. So. Good job out of him. He knows exactly his audiences, yeah. uh, and he catered to it.
0: Well, do we all believe, by the way, that UCF was his favorite game? Do we think that's an integrity check? Or do we believe that's his actual favorite experience?
3: I will watch next time he has some sort of media appearance okay. and see what he says. Yeah, it's Eastern Michigan. I enjoyed yeah. myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. An well, important update
3: coming game. soon.
2: Yeah, he did. He picked a good well, one. That's a good one. If you're going to say that, say it about that game or the, the War on I-4 game in 17. So,
3: is Integrity check. Integrity check. All right, moving along. Before we get to some mailbag questions, uh, you talked a little bit about it on your show this week, softball falling to Florida State. Uh, a good year for the Knights, 41-19-1. Fifth time the program has won at least two games in the NCAA tournament. Had opportunity to speak with uh, players and, and head coach Cindy Malone following the game. Want to share a little of that sound with you. Senior Denali Schopper on what the team proved this season. I think that this kind of proves that UCF is, it's not just the team, it's the program. We're building something here. So uh, I think us making it to the regional finals, it shows our conference is is getting
4: better. Our team's getting better and our program's getting better.
3: Which I think is interesting in the 20th season of UCF softball, a lot of talk about the program itself getting better. UCF hadn't been in NCAA tournament since 2016 and head coach Cindy Bumalone, Very proud of what the team did. You know, remember, this has been a COVID impacted year. Everything has been disrupted. And she said that this team really building a legacy, uh, the legacy of it, building the program.
5: The best thing that we can, you know, the best accomplishment that I can have as a coach is when those three or even all 11 seniors come back, um, they're proud to see their program and their alma mater continue to keep grinding and doing what they're doing. And so, you know, that, that's the imprint that they, they put on these freshmen. And, um, it was so fun to see just like that hunger in their eyes and, um, they're already going to play like juniors to next year because, um, you know, that's just the experience they got in the leadership they had.
3: So a lot of, to look forward to for UCF softball. And as we said at the outset of the, the show, baseball still hanging on there. They're going to have to win out to make it to the NCAA tournament, but they've got momentum on their side. Adam, run ruled today. They did Memphis 17 to one. You got to like that seven home runs for the Knights.
0: Yeah. We talked about it last week with Harry Akari. I mean, UCF's really got nothing to lose here, right? You go out, you play loose. You just have some fun. You let it rip. I think was the way Harry phrased it. And you've seen that so far in the tournament. Um, and and you, the, the team, the, I mean, the bats were were definitely alive. I think uh, th- today you, you saw um, some big performances out of a bunch of different guys that, you know, throughout the season, that consistency would have been fantastic. But listen, nothing to lose. Right. Go out and play. I mean, if you win, you win at this point. Um, so, you know, I like the where they're at right now. We'll see if pitching can hold up. Obviously, they have some uh, some some battles yet ahead. But you've got to be um, kind of pleasantly surprised that they've risen to the bell so far.
2: And let's and Mike... Let's root for Memphis and Cincinnati, I mean, uh, East Carolina to go, what, 15 innings tomorrow, burn up the bullpen, and put us in an even better spot.
3: Uh, Mike, you had opportunity to speak with Terry Mahajer just a couple of weeks ago. I'm curious when, not necessarily when he spoke with you, but when he spoke with a crowd, uh, did he mention facilities? Because the first question in our mailbag this week from at Mike, WEI55, specifically how is UCF way behind in terms of our facilities. Did he mention facilities on the charge on tour stop in South Florida? He didn't mention a
2: facility by name, but he did say we have a lot of work to do. And our guest earlier said the baseball stadium with the sound system. We know the problems they had with the scoreboard. We've done some updates here and there in the last few years. I still don't think it's ready to host a regional, which is going to be a big issue. Same thing with softball. I mean, maybe get some shade in one of these things. We have to maybe add some seats. There's still a lot of room to grow for both of those facilities. And same thing with soccer and everything else.
3: Well, we love the bounce house. Wouldn't you agree that the best stadium on campus is the basketball arena?
2: Yeah, basketball uh, built the same year as the bounce house. And I think it actually cost what, just as much money? Or was it even more, I think, to, to build that thing? I
3: don't remember what that cost now. But, I mean, it is held up. If you went in there right now, you wouldn't know that it is as old as the football stadium. I think specifically to the question, since I go to a lot of these venues, that none other than the basketball arena really stand out. And when we talk about softball having to travel to Florida State, being able to host regionals. You need an upgrade in facilities and uh, appreciate John mentioning the sound system, which, by the way, really has consisted of them putting additional speakers at, uh, at you know, a stadium seat level. But the scoreboard was down to a, one blinking red light uh, this season. So that's that's all that's left of the scoreboard. And when you go out to softball, you bake in the sun. I think if the venues are starting to show their age. And, uh, you know, if Timo is talking about a hundred million dollar capital campaign for facilities improvements, uh, there are a lot of ways you could approve the facilities at UCF. At Sublime underscore Knight, who is a friend of the program. UCF football teams have always been made up of players with chips on their shoulders with a big influx of four and five star transfers. All, of course, going to be downgraded to three stars at some point. Uh, does the impact on chemistry concern you? And I think you guys have talked a little bit about this uh, on the podcast. How concerned are you about the chemistry formed on this team?
0: Yeah, I think I do this every week when we talk about it, right? So my overall take is I'm 90% happy that we're, we're getting these four or five star guys into the program. We're getting some big names, some, some quote unquote, power five guys, but I don't think we can be unrealistic to the 10% of the unintended consequences, right? In my opinion, a few things could happen. A, there could be some infighting, right? So the guys who were there obviously are, are saying, "Hey, who are these new guys?" If that causes a, a faction, I, I feel like you saw some of that under the Hypol regime. I feel like Hypol maybe wasn't as well equipped as a coach to handle that. You got to think Malzahn will be uh, well equipped to handle that particular situation, but you have to consider that. Um, you know, will there be some jealousy, infighting? You know, two, what does it do to our overall depth? So the guys who've been at UCF, are they gonna, you know, one day you wake up, you're the number four receiver, and now you're the number seven receiver? Uh, you know, are you are you sticking around? Are you gonna try to head out elsewhere for the portal? And then three for me, what does it do to high school recruiting? Are we are we burning up scholarships in future years? You know, is that going to be something where it's used against us in high school recruiting where they're going to say they're going to bring in some guys over you from the portal? But overall, I think it's 90% good. I think fans just shouldn't turn a blind eye to the fact that there could be some um, unintended consequences. I think anytime you bring talent in and talent can push talent, that's always a good thing. But I don't think we should be blind to the fact that this isn't going to be a 100% slam dunk.
2: Yeah. That- the thing that's going to matter most is, are we winning games? If we're winning, nobody's going to be complaining about you know, who's getting the playing time, this and that. Winning is the most important thing. But the, the thing you mentioned about the high school recruits, that, that can be a factor. We may not be able to sign as many high school recruits going into next year because we're using up the scholarships with the transfers. We're just going to have to be um, more cautious of who we're offering. And that may actually get us better recruits. So. We're not gonna know the true answer to this till after the season, or maybe after a couple years to see how the whole thing plays out. But right now I'm not too worried about it.
0: actually I'd be curious, Trace. I don't our guy Lee Wigglesworth here is doing some research for Mike. Maybe while he's on the interwebs he can do the same for me. What's the most number of transport portal transfers a team has had? Uh, because I think this is sort of the new age of college football is, you know, our team's going to be able to really build a roster out through the portal. And I wonder what the what the overall number of transfers is, what that record would be, because if, if if this is it or if this is kind of a new trend, I mean, Gus is certainly trying, you know, the opportunity to, to build through the portal. And, and we don't know if that's an unprecedented thing, if it'll work out or not. But I don't know if anybody knows, but I'd be curious to see what the what the, the largest number of transfers in between a season would be for a program.
3: I don't know a specific number, but I think you've seen in the last couple of seasons, SMU has really been able to build its team through transfers. So and and successfully so, right? So uh, and did you know in the statistic I read that only about one-third of players that enter the transfer portal change teams? So just because you enter that transfer portal doesn't mean you land somewhere and immediately compete. And I think competition is good. Uh, for for right sports and, and every venue. So I, I think they're only gonna benefit. Remember, Gus hasn't lost anybody uh, really, you know, that is a significant contributor and certainly none have gone to Knoxville, right? So when we're talking about team chemistry, maybe team chemistry wasn't where it needed to be uh, following that Boca Bowl loss, right? So uh, I, I think Gus is infused Team chemistry at go Knights underscore Paul J who you know very well what transfer is going to make the biggest impact on the season and he has a specific question for you Adam with Marlin gone, who is your breakout player you're ready to name that breakout player on the sons of UCF live or are you going to build a crescendo to that at some point during the pod summer season.
0: Yeah, I can't give away all the secrets here this early in the offseason. I appreciate Paul Jones for the question. Always hard-hitting questions. He's UCF Mike Jr. in that respect. But um, which you know which transfer is going to make the most impact? I mean, I don't want to steal Mike's guy. I know he's going to go with the big cat, uh, so I don't want to steal Mike's guy because I know he's got dibs on the big cat, um, so I, I don't want to take him. but. I'll, I'll take a flyer. Let me go with Jordan Johnson, the receiver from. Uh, just came in from Notre Dame. Uh, you know, we, we know this kid's got a bunch of talent. It seems like he had some challenges maybe acclimating at, at Notre Dame. Uh, so let me go Jordan Johnson um, just because it's worked out well for UCF in the past for guys named Jordan Johnson.
3: And we lost Mike.
0: Well, he's saying I'm going to go for the big cat because I love the big cat. The big cat's fantastic. I, his audio isn't working right now, but um, he's going to nod his head that he's talking big cat right now. Yeah, so go.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw an audible on one. Uh, at <laughs> so letter two words. If the secret for success is to underpromise and overperform, could Gus be setting UCF fans up for a letdown by raising fan hopes? How about that one.
0: Setting up makes it seem like it's nefarious. I mean, I don't think he's going in to try, you know pull the wool over somebody's eyes here. Um, but Mike said it earlier on that the, the first time we we squeak out a twenty to nineteen victory, you know, people are going to have their you know their hands on their heads. We're going to be surrender Cobra positions everywhere. Uh, so certainly the buildup will be. Uh, it has been climatic. We'll see how it happens when. Or what happens if we get to that point? Because uh, either way, when we lose the game, the, the fans are going to be you know, unsu- insufferable. But I, I think you'll take this positive momentum and and everyone is out there realistically, while we kid about being 12, 13, 14, 15, and 0, I think everyone understands that each game is unique and we know the ones that are challenging. Um, so I don't know that it's a nefariously building that up, but certainly uh, you're excited about the possibility. <laughs> Mike's also excited about the possibility.
3: Mike, we have no audio from you. No audio. Yeah. I will end with some homework for you guys as we only have a couple of minutes left in the show at UCF one big Ohana. Eric asked now that all sports are done. Well, baseball's not done yet. Give each sport a letter grade on their season from football to track and field to soccer to softball, both men's and women's and the outlook on next season to which I responded. It is only an hour long show and we had other guests. So, how about we do this? Let's break it up. Uh, next week, let's grade the men's sports. And then because there are twice as many women's sports, we'll take a look at them the uh, the following week. So assign a grade. That's your homework, uh, Adam. You'll you'll hear that. I did not hear it and may not come prepared with those letter grades. Mike, you back. Do you have audio?
2: Uh, you tell me. Can you hear me?
3: We can hear you. The ratings went up though while you were silent. That's all I know. I don't. Uh, the uh, the question uh, that we're going to punt till next week is assign a letter grade to each of the sports. That's uh, Eric's question, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a look at the uh, the men's sports from football to baseball next week and assign letter grades. Okay, that's your homework for next week. Sound good? What is he saying? What is he saying? Football. Oh, okay.
0: Don't we we can hear it. him. I'm not sure. I'm not <laughs> sure he has problems. <laughs> we actually have audio from him now. So when he was me?
3: when he was yeah, silent, we were... <laughs> he was talking. Now he has audio, he's holding up signs. Hey, anyway, like next, next week, hold hold those grades, those letter grades till till next week. I gotta say, I, I have listened to all 134 episodes uh, of the podcast. I was duped today, driving around for work. You did your best three guests. And I'm driving, and I'm approaching a red light, and Adam goes Trey, and I thought I'm going to be in that top three, and then it was Trey Nixon, and I found that I was not listed as one of your yeah. three favorite guests, and yeah. I, I was a little offended.
0: Yeah, I don't. You didn't make the criteria. I forget what it was, but whatever it was, you weren't eligible. So Certainly, wasn't a, Certainly
3: wasn't it's memorable. Certainly wasn't memorable. It's
0: an unfortunate <laughs> omission on our parts. Um, not sure how we're going to get over it as a show, but you know we're going to persevere forward. Uh, but we had some fun um, thinking about uh, what those uh, what those interviews were. Uh, obviously, we've been we've been fortunate to have a lot of great guests on the show uh, this week. Mike Sims-Walker, uh, former receiver and DB at UCF. We replayed our interview with him from 2019. Uh, always good to catch up with uh, some of the former night greats. Uh, he didn't quite uh, crack our top three. But Trace, you heard both Mike and I give you our top threes. Do you have a favorite list, either mine or Mike's, in terms of the interviews you've enjoyed the most?
3: I thought, by the way, that would have made a good poll question. Which list did you like better? Uh, I, I like Mike's list. I got to tell you, uh, bookends of George O'Leary and uh, by Golick. That's not bad. It's a good guest list. I liked my favorite part. After I felt offended uh, for about ten miles of the of the broadcast uh, that I was not listed was when you rattled off about ten or twelve weeks of guests. So
2: that's
3: <laughs> I mean, ten or twelve weeks of guests. That's that's more than some shows do in a year. <laughs>
0: Listen, you know we're we're content factory over here. We're not going with the poll questions, so we definitely appreciate the uh, the assist on that one. Uh, but look, we've been fortunate to have a, a lot of uh, great people on the show. Hope to have some more coming up in the near future. Uh, and you know, I think Mike said it best. We haven't taken a a show a week off, in, man, since at least August of last year, uh, so it's been a, it's been a, it's a good it's a good run. It's a grind when you do a show every week. I know not everyone can relate to that, but it's definitely a grind when you get a show in each week. The list I
2: was going off were just the players and coaches and ADs. I do not even have the list of all the media people we've had on, like Trace back then.
3: Oh, we, oh here we go. The 859 in the dying embers of the Sons of UCF Live. <laughs> I, I get a mention. New big three. As one all of the, the top number. 178 guests that have appeared on the program.
2: Chantel McCabe, number one. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Burris, number two.
0: Other men, uh, yeah.
2: Trace Chalko
3: number three. How's that? Uh, You're in- there we go. Oh, we oh go. Brandon
0: Brandon Hellwig. I mean, oh oh boy, calling <laughs> again. Eric Lopez, he called your daughter. softball game.
3: You
2: know what? Elo's never been on the actual podcast. He's been here on the live show, but we haven't had him on our our weekly show yet. So, Seems I don't know a if that's
0: We have to get him on. Yeah, we've never been on any of their shows. So, I mean, that's true too. What are you going to do? <laughs>
3: yeah, that, that is true want to thank john and his son miles for giving us some of the sights and sounds from the charge on tour stop in Oviedo, and michael for uh showing off his wealth in real estate and what he can do with that and adam thank you for joining us for 50 minutes of this hour we appreciate it
0: i think it was the same time mike was on he, he <laughs> left for a while we couldn't hear him so i don't think either one of us actually got a full show in this weekend
2: yeah dock our pay a little bit trace you get an <laughs> extra bu- a couple bucks
3: well, you're my two favorite co-hosts on the Sons of UCF Live, and I don't need to run any polls for that. So uh, just <laughs> sucking up for a mention on your next show. Episode 135 coming out next week, and we hope you will join us for the Sons of UCF Live, eight to nine, streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. For now, I'm Trace Trollco For Adam and Mike, go Knights!
2: Mal's on! Oh, Mal's on.
3: i Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. For now, I'm Trace Trollco For Adam and Mike, go Knights! Mars Yeah. Oh, Mars on. Oh. Yeah. oh
1: Sports
5: Social Podcast Network.